friends. Um, welcome back to our podcast. We've on a, been on a little bit of a mini hiatus, but we are back. Um, Boston Faith and Justice's Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. You're about to listen to episode 17. I'm just doing a little bit of an intro before you get into this conversation um, to check in. So this is a conversation I had with Dr. Gary Vanderpool, who has been connected with BFJN longer than myself. He was actually a member of the board I think possibly the chair of the board that hired me. I think we end up talking about that in the podcast, but all that to say, um, he's been around forever. He's also the primary author of the Lazarus at the Gate curriculum, which if you have been connected with Boston, Boston Faith and Justice for any period of time, you're hopefully aware that that's a resource we share. Um, that's really this transformative eight-week Bible study that um, encourages participants to share budgets, to really consider deeply how we can follow Jesus with our money and make personal lifestyle changes to um, better reflect who God is and who we are called to be as we follow him. It's a really, really great study. You can find that on our website. And it's free because Gary wrote it with, with some colleagues and just wanted to continue to share it. So he's so generous with it. We sort of updated it a little bit, gave it a little bit of a BFJN in the 2020s feel. And um, yeah, I would encourage you to check that out. But um, Gary participated in our most recent book group, which when we were reading um, Following Jesus in a Warming World, which again, if you're connected to us at all, you've probably seen in writing or heard videos or in some way or another. I've been talking about this book since our former intern Maeve recommended it. It does such a good job of examining the practical realities of the existential crisis that is climate change and also the ways in which our faith calls us to care and to act and also giving some practical ways we can do that. It's just a really great book. So highly recommend just generally people will read that, but also read it in community because we found in this month-long study we did together that so many more things came to the surface. There were so many different perspectives on the same thing that really gave us encouragement and inspiration and challenge. And so that group has just had such a good time being in community together and been so challenged and inspired that we're wanting to continue to find ways to build community around um, Christians advocating and acting for climate change against climate change. We're not for it. Um, so anyway, Gary participated in that and it was great to just see him and catch up with him. He's now out in California. He'll talk about a little talk a little bit about that in the conversation we have. But I just wanted to throw this quick intro in here to sort of frame Gary because I'm not sure how much we did that in the conversation. Him and I had had like a really long conversation before we hit the record button and I kept trying to flag things that we were talking about to make sure we circled back to them in the podcast conversation. So I hope we caught everything because Gary has so much wonderful experience and knowledge about a wide array of issues and he's really focusing in on climate change now and I'm just really thankful for his generosity in sharing his experiences and his passion for um Christians you know doing justice in the world and particularly now around climate change is what his focus is so I know that you'll learn a lot and it's just really great to be in conversation with someone like Gary so enjoy Okay, so here we are in the Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast, and I'm so excited for our guest today, who I'll, as I usually do, let him introduce himself for the most part. Um, but I will just say that Gary has been connected to Boston Faith and Justice for much longer than I have. Um, he was on the board that hired me, so you can blame him if you feel like that wasn't a great decision. Um, and now we've come full circle. He just actually participated in our most recent um, book study on um, following Jesus in a Warming World. 
And throughout that, we kind of had conversations about some of the work he's doing now and his journey. And so I reached out to him and was like, can we please share this on the podcast? And Gary being Gary was like, yes, let's do that. So gracious. So um, yeah, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey, maybe your connection to BFJN and, and where you are now? Yeah, so great to be reconnected with you, Elizabeth, and really appreciate your your work in BFJN over the years. So it's a great moment for me to reconnect through this podcast. Um, and for me, like, you know, I am in my early 50s now, so it feels like this call in my life has I have more to say now. Uh, and in general, like, I think my calling has been to just help the church engage in justice, uh, just like BFJN, actually. So for me, that's taken a lot of different uh, forms. Like the first one, it was moving into... Uh, a lower income immigrant community in East Oakland and um, just being neighbors with people who had been through civil war and genocide um, from Bosnia and Cambodia and El Salvador. Um, that changes your world to, to have folks like that be your neighbors. And I learned so much and hopefully shared something positive um, all the way to like coming to Boston and um, creating with Mako Nagasawa and others, the Lazarus at the gate experience where we, think a lot about the role of capitalism in our life and what Jesus talks about money and um, and in community with other people, money not being private, where we, um, we actually take steps to live more simply and more generously and to like fight about and to choose where are we going to give our money and and to like, you know, where, where's the best place and we give. And I just, I love that experience with BFJN um, and BFJN has continued to do that. And so I think that has really shaped my my practice of justice, that for me, like justice um, has to go together with Jesus and it has to go together with community. Uh, I'm always struck by the fact that Jesus never wrote anything like Jesus was not a book, a seminary professor. Jesus created a community. Right. And then the community wrote it all down like many years later. And so I just think that. Uh, the gospel is intrinsically social and it's it's yeah. not just believing stuff. It's doing stuff together. It's supporting each other in the journey. And so whatever justice issue it's been, whether it's been um, immigrants and refugees or racial justice or economic inequality, for me, my question has always been like, how do we do this together uh, in community? And so that's why I think that um, I, I always vibe so much with BFJN because that's what y'all do too. Uh, and that can be unfortunately missing in the church. Like our our practice of justice tend to be the the random service project here and there instead of being really built into our community life. And so I think, um, you know, I think that's really the key. If we really want to grow in justice, find some other people and connect with them, and then it will really come alive. Yeah, I, I love that. And just, I love that you're talking about Lazarus and the ways in which that models that. And I think that's so much of built into the DNA of, of Boston faith and justice is just Lazarus, the substantive aspects around you know, kind of deconstructing the way we view money and, and connecting it back to our, our faith, but also that it's done in community. And I think that's such a key part of why it's so transformative that yeah. you're not facing these hard countercultural truths, like in your own little library um, by yourself, which right. study by yourself is great. Right. But I think, the key to the transformative nature of Lazarus is that it's done in community. And we have so many groups that have like, you know, met again and again, like after they've, you know, finished the study and they right. keep checking back in because they had this experience together. And like, you're saying like, that's, that's how movements happen. That's how real change happens. And um, 
yeah, so that that community piece is just so important, but it's hard, right? Like right. I think as an organization as Boston Faith and Justice, we sometimes struggle with that. How do we build sustainable communities? How do we empower people to build sustainable communities? Right. right. So over the course of your time kind of engaging with that reality, is there some things you found that work and or don't work um when trying to build community? Um I th- one of the things I've learned because over you know since my time in Boston I've been a seminary professor for about seven years I've been a pastor for almost ten years um, and so I've, I've sort of seen how the existing structures um, don't necessarily help us build community all that well mm-hmm. you know like um, at seminary you learn how to like put stuff in your head and believe the right stuff at church you sort of come and you get an inspiring sermon once a week or you have a small group where you share how. Uh, oh, my kids are stressing me out or my boss is stressing me out. But it's it's very hard to to actually like those institutions don't create that social space um, to do justice together. And so I think we just have to do that. And so I think one of the themes of BFJN and of my ministry and of even this podcast is like, in a way, we have to be leaders in building community. Mm. I think we're even um, coming out of the pandemic um, in our culture of hyper individualism um i think i i one of my big recent research projects is just how lonely people are and how even our friendships are eroding so mm-hmm. the surgeon general of america right now is talking about how there's a big loneliness epidemic that has followed on the the covid pandemic um and so i think that means that like it's just the building community is harder than ever but then also more important than ever and so creating these, so for me, like now that I see, whenever I see a justice issue, my first instinct is like, oh my gosh, how do I gather people around this? And so for me, the big, the thing that's really, I think, um, grabbed my heart and my mind in the last five years has been the climate crisis. And so that was something I missed for a really long time, because I think for us as evangelicals, especially it's maybe hard to see because it's not explicitly in the Bible. You know, when the Bible was written, uh, it was like the natural world in a sense was kicking your butt. Like you might get eaten by a wild animal or there might be a drought or a famine or something, right? So the idea that humans could become so powerful that we could actually begin to, to really destroy God's creation in ways that would hurt our own human flourishing and would become a huge justice issue. Like it's just not in the Bible. So that's where it's different from Lazarus at the Gate, where you can look at what the Bible says about money, and it's like all over the place. It's on every page. You just have to read it. Um, And so I think it took me a while to really see that um, the science is very, very clear, uh, as clear as any any science ever is, that this is going to be a crisis that will, you know, whatever you care about, whether it's racial justice or economic thriving or refugees or like the climate crisis is going to make it worse. Uh, mm-hmm. As my hero, Catherine Hayhoe says, climate mm-hmm. cri- the climate crisis is a threat multiplier. So whatever you care about, the climate crisis is going to make it worse. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we're already seeing it. Like many of us have know what it's like to go out your door and to have to put on a mask, not because of COVID, but because of wildfire smoke. So it's already coming, but these are just the the early, you know, birth pangs, so to speak, like it's, it's getting, it's going to get a lot worse. It's getting a lot worse, uh, sort of quickly. And so, and as I learned, like, this is going to be really bad. That's like the negative, right? Right. Then I learned more bad news. 
I learned that to do something about it, I have to, I have to participate in actions that I don't really want to do. Like stop eating beef. Like, Oh, I love in and out. I live in California or like, don't fly so much because that just puts so much carbon into the air. Uh, like, but I love flying and I, my family and like vacation and all these things. And so I just realized that, you know, this is going to take a lifestyle change and I'm just going to need the support of other people. And so I think that that old BFJN instinct to gather in community when God puts a justice issue on your heart has really served me well. And so what I've been doing for the last couple of years is just asking that question, how can we create Christian community um, around climate action? How can we move from that sense of being overwhelmed and depressed that like the world is going to hell? Oh my gosh, the world is burning up. What do we do? And you're just paralyzed and depressed to actually climate action being an experience of joy and fellowship and thriving. Um, that's the space I'm operating in now. And so even that BFJN book group was really fun, actually. I came away from that book group. We're talking about like the destruction of the world potentially. And that's very sobering, and it should be, and it always needs to be. But when you face those things together, and when the Holy Spirit enters that space, I think then the hope, God's hope uh, of doing the gospel together rises up, and you realize God is calling us to this new thing, um, and that changes everything. Yeah, and I, I so appreciate your perspective. I mean, just generally, historically, but also in that group, like calling us to attention to that. Like, um, and I definitely want you to talk about some of the ways that's manifesting in your own life, but mm. I just want to name that like this, this idea that like when we enter into conversations about climate change, particularly in faith spaces, I think sometimes it's those two extremes, right? Like it's climate denial or it's, this is an existential crisis and like, there's nothing we can do. So just eat, drink and be merry, I guess. Right. That's, that's been my historic experience. And that almost, it's just more frustrating because then it's like, well, even people who are like-minded, like we can't, how do we make a difference? Because some of us have decided that there's no difference to be made. And so then like what you're talking about, like finding that community space where we're not denying the truth, but we're also not saying like, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, And that's just so encouraging. And I too found that group just like, it was like, yes, okay, we care where we want to learn, we're open-minded. And then we want to practically engage with this issue and like be there to support each other. So that was really fundamental for me too, as someone who's probably newer to really engaging with the issue of climate change and just Um, environmental justice. Um, Yeah, it was just really encouraging. So one of the really encouraging things was the stories that you shared about mm, the learning you've been doing and the community that you have been experiencing with your church. So tell us about some of that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So I guess uh, for you listening to the podcast, if you're like 10 minutes in and you're still listening, that's great. You must be. And so, but if <laughs> if the climate crisis is newer to you as a, as a Christian justice issue, uh, first, I just want to say like, that's okay. I totally get that. I, this was, I was very late to see this myself. And so I really understand. And um, if if you're not really sure that this is an important Christian justice issue, I would say like, Stop listening to this podcast right now and, you know, go get that book that we did, Following Jesus in a Warming World. I think they that does a good jo- a really good job of kind of explaining uh, how linking up our faith and climate, which, yeah. again, most of our churches aren't doing that for us. Or just um, Google on YouTube, um, Catherine Hayhoe. She's a, a evangelical Christian climate scientist. She's kind of my hero. And I just think their work is so good for helping us understand why this is super important. Those are good, be good places to start. 
But if you already feel like, oh, this is actually important, I would like to connect my faith with this, then uh, then I think I can answer your question. And I think maybe the answer is to just begin to gather the people around us um, to begin to do stuff together. Yeah, we want to learn stuff, but ultimately we want to do stuff. So here's my story of how I've been doing this. Um, I'm at this new church now for the last year and a half called Redeemer Community Church. Uh, It's in San Francisco. They're a church that has been really committed to justice for a long time. They're a majority Asian American church that uh, moved into, at the the request of many folks in the neighborhood, they moved into uh, the only majority Black neighborhood in San Francisco. And so they started a school in partnership with other folks from the neighborhood they started a tech company that invests a large part of its profits, you know, in the neighborhood, in this um, underserved neighborhood. And so they have a real sort of justice um, habit, I guess you'd say, right? It's really part of their life together. And so when I came, they actually asked me to do a Sunday school class on climate action. And so I thought, well, that sounds great. Like I could actually get back on my Lazarus to the gate vibe because, you know, I hope put that together at the beginning of the day. So we created um, a Sunday school class in which we did climate action together that was prayerful, personal, and political. Mm-hmm. Prayerful, personal, and political. So, so when it comes to prayerful, we uh, we just thought about like, oh, how do we connect our faith to our love of the Creator? Um, because I think that as Christians, a lot of times we're really into like Jesus. Yeah, Jesus saved my soul. We sing all the worship songs. Um, if we're more charismatic, maybe we're really into the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Ghost power, amen, and all that stuff, right? But when it comes to the creator, like we all believe God created the world, but nobody gets that excited about it. Nobody sings songs about it. So we just asked the question, how can we do prayerful climate action where we do prayer walks in nature and where we do um, we spend Sabbath time together just in rest and uh, with God's creation and where we um, we see the redwood trees, you know, I live here in Northern California, and we, that just makes us love God more. Mm. We, we find new songs to sing, which helps us praise the creator. And I think that's really important because one of the reasons we miss the climate crisis is because we don't really love our creator that much, really. We believe it, but we don't love the creator in the same way. So if we want to be truly Trinitarian Christians, I just think we fall in love with God more. We fall in love with the creator more. And so we would do things like um, like we'd all take a Sabbath and then we'd take a picture of something in nature on the Sabbath and then we'd text it to each other on our set text chain. And then we would all write in response to that picture, we'd write Shabbat Shalom, which is like happy, happy, you know, peace to you on this Sabbath uh, as, as our Jewish brothers and sisters do. Um and so, and then when we get back into our Sunday school class, we talk about how did Sabbath go? And it really opened our eyes to some, some new stuff. So that was one thing, right? That's the, that's the prayerful climate action. And then personal climate action, we actually studied like, how can we as individuals really make a difference? Like the climate crisis is so big, um, but how can we as individuals do something? And um, so we began to experiment with like, well, we can do things like personally, like we can eat less red meat and we can fly less, which make a big difference. But there's also things we can, those are like decisions we have to keep making. Like every day I have to not have a hamburger again, really. Um, So yeah, we supported each other in that. But we also did things like, oh, well, we could, 
like we all own so many machines that burn fossil fuels just to live our lives normally, just actually literally like driving to church. Like I'm putting carbon in the air. How can I not do that? Like taking a shower in the morning before church, I'm burning fossil fuels because I don't want to take a cold shower. Mm -hmm. When I get up in the morning, it's cold. I turn on the thermostat, I'm burning fossil fuels. So actually like we're blessed now to be able to like electrify all of those things, electric car, electric heat pump, electric hot water. And so how can we do that as a community? But we also realize like, this is like boring stuff that like, I don't know how my hot water works. Like, why do I care? So it's kind of funny. Like I never thought these would be discipleship issues. <laughs> right, right. When I turn on my shower, oh my gosh, that's a discipleship issue. And so then we realized, well, we need to support each other. So we created a spreadsheet where we found like local contractors who like know how to put in electric heat pumps. Uh, and some of you don't, I didn't know these things existed until a year ago, right? Oh, wow. But there are ways that you can warm your house and drive around and take showers like really guilt-free in ways that um, that really help the planet instead of harming it. So we just shared information about like, um, how to get tax rebates from the Inflation Reduction Act. Like you actually get money back for these things. It can be good for your wallet. And we found organizations like Quit Carbon that actually help you go green in all of these things where you make one decision and then you're green for years to come. So exciting. Um, and, you know, we don't all do that at once because, you know, we don't all have the money or the timing to buy a new car or buy a new hot water heater. But whenever somebody in our group does that at my church, we celebrate it. And so one of my favorite pictures is um, a, a family that bought a new heat pump. They got rid of their old gas burning, you know, whatever that was like putting carbon into the air and uh, about bad stuff. And so they, they spent the time and effort to get a new one. And so what we did is I brought my best bottle of wine and a bunch of us from the church all gathered around their heat pump in their basement. And we we prayed over their heat pump. We're like, Jesus is so happy about this heat pump. And we drank wine and we drank toast and we sang a song and it was super fun. And so we realized that personal climate action can really be communal and it can be fun and it can draw us together. And then finally, stay with me here. It's one yeah. more thing. I just okay. want to like co-sign that and just say how great that is. I know we want to do the political, but like that just encouraged me so much because it wouldn't, none of that would have occurred to me. Like the right. celebration piece and even just like the pooling the resource of knowledge and all of that. So I just, it's so encouraging to be like, and it's replicable and yeah. So yeah. Okay. So, so it was just a few point. of us in this Sunday school class that were doing this, but now we have an all church wiki where whenever somebody like trades out an old fossil fuel burning machine, whether it's a car or whatever it is, we put our experience on this spreadsheet that the whole church has access to. And we're like, oh, this is a good contractor. Go here, do that. This is how you get your tax rebate, all that stuff. And we also like, we had pictures of like, you know, this really cute family all like hugging their heat pump water heater. Like, you know, it was really fun. Um, so awesome. it's turning something which is like apocalyptic, depressing thing into something that's actually fun and community building. Yeah, um, I love it. And I think that's true of political climate action, too, because I think we all know we've all been traumatized by our current political climate. Mm. And um, everywhere we look, there's um, polarization and there's gridlock. And you just feel like, man, I don't want to touch politics with a 10 foot pole. But we, we've asked the question, how can we do this in community? 
And so uh, we we researched some ways that we could actually make an impact locally. You know, like let's not get involved in national politics. Like well, that's hard. What a mess. But we asked the question like, well, could we advocate with our local school board to ask them to electrify their school bus? You know, because like these huge school buses, you know, spewing diesel fumes, like they're actually really good electric school buses now. And and even like our consumer choices, like our consu- like affecting the big uh, corporations that surround us is political action. And so like, can we ask Amazon to be delivering our products in um in like electric delivery vehicles. And, you know, um, Amazon has actually invested in an electric vehicle company called Rivian. And so um, you can do that. So we did, so this is really fun. In the Sunday school class, we had this spreadsheet with all these things we could do. You can call your representative, you can call Amazon or some big corporation, your local grocery store to ask them to use less packaging in their food products, whatever it is. And so, we didn't tell anybody what to do because everyone has their own political convictions. Mm-hmm. But we had a spreadsheet there on the big on the big uh, screen, and so everybody chose like, oh, I'm going to e- write an email to this, or I'm going to make a phone call to that. And uh, it was so much fun that after we were done, like everybody broke into spontaneous like um, applause because they had never done political action that was joyful, right? And as consumers, we can tell Amazon like. I feel guilty when you deliver my package, you know, in a, you know, in a, you're, you're burning fossil fuels. Like I want to see those Rivians. And so, you know, we had one week where uh, they actually did see an electric vehicle drop off their stuff and they took a picture of it and they sent it to the group. So happy. and so fun. Right. Um, and so, you know, even as, as parents, as consumers, as citizens, we can make a difference. And if we do it together, um, it can be really fun. And, you know, most of us are not going to sit alone in our house and make these awkward phone calls to our representative. What do you even say? But if you gather together in a small group with Christian friends, which we already do a lot, like we're really good at being in small groups. Why can't you do political action there where you like pass around the phone on speakerphone and you all say something to your representative or you all say something to your school board? Uh, so I just think there's tons of opportunity for us as Christians not only to make a really concrete difference in this climate crisis that's that's hitting us all, but to actually make it feel Christian and to build up the, the spiritual friendship that we really need, even coming out of the pandemic. So I think it's a way to um, not only make a difference, but actually make our lives better at the same time. Yeah. And I so appreciate that connection you draw because, I mean, the picture you paint makes that clear, right? Because it's not like the climate change action's incidental, but at the same time, it's not like it's the only thing that's happening, right? Like this political activism, like you said, it's it's community because, I mean, communities are stronger when we're engaging in something together. That's why we don't generally just get to sit around and look at each other, right? We're even watching a movie or like eating, like there's something we're engaging in. So I think that when we're engaging in work that matters, work that connects with the way that we're formed in our spirits, um, that deepens the communal ties as well as you know, having tangible results. Um, so yeah, I just love that. I love the way you're approaching it. And I, again, I love that that's something people can pick up and be like, I can bring this somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so kind of along that, what, how would you encourage people? I know you've, you've kind of, you talked to the the group of people who might have been listening and have paused it and hopefully are back now with some, some <laughs> right. themselves, having read the book, welcome back. Yeah. Um, you know, but people who are who are convinced of the needs and are looking for ways to both engage to make a difference and also um, be in a 
space where other people are engaging to make a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, God is calling all of us to be leaders in this really. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, you clearly care about this. And so I think uh, maybe that same instinct that we're talking about where the response is to just gather two or three people. I don't know. We all have different spheres of influence. It may just be a couple of friends at church that you know are open to this. And you're like, hey, do you guys want to meet for six weeks and just try to figure this out together? Um, it may be that you could lead a small group in your church. And, you know, not all pastors are into this kind of thing. Christian climate action may be a stretch for the church that you go to. I don't know. Um, but I think all pastors want to see young people stay in their church. And so I think you can say like, hey, pastor, could I do a Sunday school class on Christian climate action? Because I think youth really care about this and this might help them help them stick around. A lot of pastors will say, sure, that's great. Um, and so I think you can start something, whatever your sphere of influence is. Um, I think, though, that that's also challenging, right? A lot of us don't know. Like maybe you've never led a small group. And that's where I think we need support from broader organizations like Commercial Alert, BFJN. Like BFJN, <laughs> if you're BFJN would love to support you in your social setting, your two or three friends, um, your church small group. You want to start something you're like, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's what BFJN has done for years. Like, and that's the power of Lazarus at the gate, where like, you know, you're like, I don't know how to talk about money. Well, there's a curriculum where you can just lead it and they support you in leading it. I think that um, that's that's what I'm trying to do right now. I would love to support you. Like, you know, how do you do personal, political and prayerful climate action? Like, well, let's figure it out. We're I'm developing a curriculum right now to do that. And I know BFJN, we're walking into it right now. Like, how do we support leaders like you or want to be leaders like you um, who just want to begin to make a difference and who have that instinct to build community around the things that God cares about? So it really like with this podcast, you're catching a wave that's just beginning to build. Mm. Uh, you could be an early adopter in making, um, in, in really making this be a witness uh, of the church, because I think we all know right now that the church is failing in its witness in the face of the climate crisis. And so that's one of the things that I'm really sad about. And where I live in the Bay Area, uh, most people would not really consider being Christian. Um, but what I've seen as I've been involved in different climate action uh, groups, as I've been in, you know, I've been involved in various uh, even sort of secular organizations, as I share that I'm a Christian, even a as a pastor, as a pastor at the time, they were like, whoa, I, I'm surprised that you're here. Tell me more about why you're here. And, uh, you know, I just never get that experience outside of, you know, the climate space. Like nobody asked me, tell me why you're a Christian. Like they don't want to hear it. But if I show up for climate, then they're like, whoa, I can't believe you're really Christian and you're here. And so I just think this is a thing that can bring glory to God. Mm. And, uh, even in our little spheres of influence, I think that is valuable in and of itself. But also, can you imagine, like, what if this became a little bit of a movement? Mm. What if there was like these rumors that there are Christians that are gathering to make a difference on climate? And uh, then I think now is not just fun because we're doing it with our friends. But actually, it's super meaningful because now we're part of this movement that's fundamentally changing the way the church is viewed and that is actually bringing glory to God because God has called us to be stewards of God's own creation. And we are in a unique moment in world history where we're destroying that creation. 
And so it makes sense that as Christians that we would rise up and be defenders of the creation that God has called us to be. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. And so if the church could be made known, if we could make that known, that we are living into our call um, to be image bearers and to be defenders of creation, um, even if it's just a little movement, um, I just think that would be one of the best things that I could do with my life and would love to do it with you. I I, I love that vision that you're casting there. Like it, talking about it as this, this idea, like this, Jesus should have a reputation as a climate activist. Like, Amen. That's right. There Amen. should be a belief that Jesus would have been in this movement as opposed right. to like your naming that when we move into secular spaces around climate change, there's surprise. If, yeah, if that's right. An engagement. So yeah, a vision for we could change that. And that's not the specific goal of what we're doing. But if we are caring about the climate, if we are engaging in the work, if we are building community around making a difference, and that is what would happen. We would change Jesus's reputation. Um, so I really love that vision. I think that's a, a great spot to end with that note of encouragement. Um, and I really do appreciate just naming too, like BFJN would obviously love to support anyone who's engaging in this work. I'm really eagerly looking forward to what you're creating. I mean, Lazarus has been so transformative for so many people. Um, not to like gush on you too much, but like for me personally, and just so many people we engage with. So I really, the way in which you approach the things that you, that you're doing, I think just is, um, such an important way to build community. Like Lazarus has these profound truths that you have to confront and it, it creates a space for you to do that in community. So I'm not to set the bar so, so high, but I'm really looking forward to, to, um, engaging with whatever you're working on now, whenever that manifests. Yeah. Um, that's so great to reconnect. And, uh, I think the last thing I'll say is at my church, we've just been talking about in, in the climate crisis, as we respond with Christian climate action, just moving at the speed of grace. Mm. Um, I think God gives us grace to engage these hard things. And like even as we're talking right now, I feel really excited. I feel really like, oh, this would be great. I, would, I have a new vision for it again. And like <laughs> grace is coming up in me. And so if there's grace coming up in you too, let's uh, let's do it together. And it's okay to move at the speed of grace. Like we don't have to change the world in a minute, but let's yeah. just take the next step. But the, the thing is to do it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That's it's such great encouragement and wisdom there. So thank you very much. And yeah, we look forward to connecting again on on whatever you're working on. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. It's been a great, great pleasure.